We're on a mission from God. And now, something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekomsky from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in New Athens, Illinois, and Trinity Lutheran Church in Darmstadt, Illinois. And right here next to me, I have Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark from Essential Lutheran Church in beautiful, picturesque South St. Louis. And you know, I'm thinking we got so excited about Ted Drews winning the World uh, Ice Cream Championship. I don't even think we mentioned who we actually are or what show this is, but we better do it this week. This is Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the, the basics. basics. Do you remember? Did we mention that? Uh, last probably week? not. I think people probably figured it out. I guess so. <laughs> people probably just aren't meandering. They probably just actually. They're act- honestly, people come up to me and say they purposely listen to this show. It's amazing. It's to not me. just by accident. It's not by accident. It's not that just <laughs> they were, you know, pressing the the scan button on their radio and happened to run across us. But they're actually people that sometimes intentionally listen to it. And you know, I think one of the reasons they do, Matt, is because we we like to bring good news into people's lives. Last week it was the fact that uh, Ted Drews, our own local um, frozen custard store, within walking distance of where you live, dangerously I'm, close. Yeah, yes. Uh, uh, you know, they won the uh, World Award for Best best Ice Cream. Uh, and, and I want to add, can I add some more good news? Oh, please. It's just, you know, the Lord is so good. Truly, we are becoming great. Uh, um, <laughs> we have three kinds of Big Macs now. Doesn't that amazing? Three kinds of Big Macs. Doesn't that amazing? It, it when, is when amazing. When I was a kid, I, 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 I'm dating myself here, we didn't have any kind of Big Mac. How did you make it? I live in the pre-Big Mac era. The Dark Ages. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I've never known life without the Big Mac. (laughs) Well, see, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) You young people out there, you don't know how good you have it. And now to think you've got, what what is it, the Mini Mac, or what do they call it? You know what they're calling it? Well, I don't know. I I, I know what you mean, though. They've got a smaller Mac, and then they have the Grand the Grand Mac. So is there a Mac that's bigger than the Big Mac? There is a bigger. It's the, the I think bigger it's called Mac? the Grand the Big Grand Mac. Big Mac. But now there's something. I, I This is one of the reasons I want to make this announcement. Because when you go on to McDonald's, they have like these big posters uh-huh. showing, you know, the, the Grand Big Mac. I bet they are big posters. Yeah, but see. they got to be big enough to that, get the. It, it's not to size. <laughs> not <laughs> I, the I got size. it thinking it was going to be like, you know, like three foot wide and everything. But it actually. That's it a little disappointing. That <laughs> it's not actual size. They should have that on the posters. Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise you would be. You'll be and disappointed. If, if they're calling it the granddaddy or whatever it is, I'm yeah. expecting something pretty big here. Yeah, but it's not as big as it looks on the poster. But it's still a, it's a lot of Big Mac. I'll tell you that. It's a lot of Big Mac. And Our of course, kids are so fortunate. Aren't they? I know. I, I know. They will never know a life where there wasn't a Big Mac or three, three different kinds Big of Big Macs. You know what's what's amusing is my little daughter, my granddaughter, Lauren, she loves Big Macs. And she's this little teeny tiny gal. Yeah. You're like five, six years old. <laughs> and but she loves the Big Macs. But now this this little Big Mac is actually ideal for her. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Good. So, so if you've got oh, any Lauren good news, you want to share Big things that, that, are, that you find or they're about, uh, they're, you know, God's just blessing us? Well, you've got the whole Ted Drews thing. Well, I've got the whole Ted. It is hard to top the Ted Drews it thing. Is, really. It is. It really is. We're, is yeah. there a McDonald's within walking distance of you? No, there's no McDonald's. Oh, there, there's shoot. a Lion's Choice. Oh, that's pretty I do good. like the Lion's like Choice. The roast, beef yeah, the, the roast beef and an Arby's. But I'm, I'm just, almost right next door. I used to work at Arby's. Did you know that? 
Uh, really? I used to Is make Arby's right? sandwiches, yeah. yeah. What did you do? You were the sandwich guy? I was the guy? sandwich guy because you had, I was in seminary and, and you had to be over 21 to work the slicers because those slicers are super, Yikes. super sharp like yeah. that. You were talking about cutting off a hand? You could do that with an Arby's Whoa. slicer without any problem at all. Just whoop, and your hand would when be sliced When your right off. hand causes you to sing, cut yep. it off. Yep. Boy, often <laughs> I thought about that story when I was working the slicer at Arby's. Ooh. All right. <laughs> are we doing something? Oh, yeah, we are. I'm sorry. This is Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the Basics. basics. And again, uh, I think people <laughs> probably figured that out. <laughs> By this point, yeah, we probably have. Yeah, it's, that's that show. Because what we wanted to do today, it is the conclusion of Epiphany this weekend. And, of course, it is the tradition with churches all over the world. Talk about uh, Ted Drew's winning the world ice cream competition. Well, all over the world, people will be doing the story of the transfiguration today. Let me ask you, Matt, why? Why do you think we conclude Epiphany with the story of the transfiguration? Well, I, I think one reason is Epiphany is the season of light. Sometimes we call it that. Yeah, we start off yeah. with this light of the star that guides the Magi ultimately to Jesus. Uh, and I think here, too, we see the this light of really Jesus himself here on the Mount of Transfiguration. And again, the, I, another theme that Epiphany picks up on is this God in our flesh, God incarnate in flesh and blood and how Jesus is that one. And here is me, a prime example uh, of that fact of who Jesus is, getting a glimpse of his glory, and then with the words that the Father says at the Mount of Transfiguration, too. Uh, I, I like that idea, though. I'd never thought of that before. It starts with the light, yeah. the light of a yeah. star. Uh, but either way, I, I love that because it goes back to creation where God says he made the stars to be signs. Yeah. And thinking, right, cool. So from the very beginning yeah. when he created him, he's got this star in mind that will mark the birth of his son, bring the wise men to him. But I never thought about it. Yeah, it starts with light. It ends with light with Christ, uh, uh, his whole body being lit up. Although, no, that's the thing that's neat. Because uh, what I'd like to talk about today is some of the details. Some good, of the details. Good, and, and that is one of the details, isn't it? It's not just that his whole body lights up, but that his face lights up. And his clothing lights Yeah, isn't that up. interesting? Yeah, and, and I think it is to emphasize just what you said, that, that uh, this is God being manifested uh, before them. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about the cloud and the voice. But it's still the man. It's still the man. He's still wearing clothes. In fact, the clothes themselves now take on this mm -hmm. kind of shiny brightness. And, and, and you can see him in the face. He's... Well, here, here's my point. What is the image of God? Well, let's read the story of the Transfiguration. <laughs> okay. Maybe we ought to read the text <laughs> well, first so people know what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and, and, yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And I think just, you know, as go we ahead. think of yeah. entering the season of Lent now, as we are approaching oh, yeah. the cross, yep. Yep. Jesus here, in, we're going to be in Matthew 17, he's literally now approaching the cross closer and closer, especially as in a little bit he'll be going up to Jerusalem. Uh, so it's it, what we do right now in the church kind of reflects what's going on in in Jesus' life and ministry, too, which is kind of cool. Go ahead and read the story of the Transfiguration. All right, from Matthew chapter 17. Yeah. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And I just think that's neat that th that's the details. It could have just said, and his whole person became. But no, it's specifically his face. It's specifically his clothes. A reminder, this is still Jesus, the man. He, the man isn't departed here, but he's now, we're seeing him as also the Son of God. We'll, we'll keep on reading. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and behold, there appeared with them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus... 
Oh, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. All right. Um, so, so the point I was trying to make earlier, but then it seemed like it was probably good to actually hear the scriptures, is, is where is God at in this story? God the Father, where is he at? Well, we hear him in the voice. Right, right. And where is the voice showing up? Uh, voice from heaven. Right. Yes. In this, in this bright cloud. That yeah. Overshadows yeah. Him. This cloud. Uh, which, of course, is the Old Testament. When God shows up in the Old Testament, it's often as a bright cloud. Isn't yeah. It? We think of Mount Sinai. We think of that pillar of cloud in the wilderness. Again and again, this cloud, God's presence. God, uh, Solomon builds the temple. How does God show he's in the temple? Fills it up with a, with a bright cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, that's why I, I love the detail about the clothing and about the face, because when God shows up as God, it's kind of nebulous. He's this cloud. He's bright and light. In fact, you know, he said to Moses, "You you can't even you can't even see my face." He says, "You know, the best you can yeah. see is my backside because of my glory." Uh, um, and yet Jesus is there. And that's what I love about the fact that they can see the shining face. Because see, that's the neat thing about Jesus. You actually get to see God. You can see Him face to face. You yeah. couldn't have done that in the Old Testament, but you can do that now with Jesus. Yeah. Even as He's shining bright and glorious as the very Son of God, uh, uh, but but you can still He's still that God incarnate, as, yeah. as you would say, the God made man. And what what blows my mind away is He still is. I yeah. mean, He still He He so He dies in the body, He rises from the dead bodily, He goes up into heaven at the ascension bodily, and and still is that one in the flesh still bearing those scars from the cross and we are like you said going to see him you and i face to face in the resurrection when we're our bodies are raised it's incredible yeah i really appreciate you say that because i think there is a strain of christianity that thinks well yeah when he was down here on earth he was a man but now obviously that he's gone up into heaven he's not human anymore in fact that kind of becomes our future doesn't it that we're going to be something different uh in the eternities we'll be floating on clouds Clouds, our, the our angels are, aid, yeah. are, 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 will be one with the universe and mm-hmm. the Eastern yep, religions, yep. part of Nirvana. Uh, and, and so thank you for the emphasis. No, Jesus is still Jesus the man, even up in heaven. Uh, and we will still be Matt the man and John the man and thank heavens Lisa the woman and and and, and Lynn the woman, uh, speaking of our respective wives here and everything. Yeah, we're still going to be these, these humans, uh, only we will have bodies like unto his glorious body. Yeah. Uh, but I like that picture of salvation. Definitely. I think when we realize that, I think it's this, the incarnation, Jesus becoming man, you know, in Mary's womb. And, and, you know, we see him manifest at his birth. I mean, that makes it that much more awesome. Yeah. That, oh, that, yeah. that wasn't just for, you know, his time here on earth for 30 some years. But this is, no, he's taken on our flesh. Even now he, yeah. he bears it. Wow. Which makes it really comforting when we go to pray to him because we're not praying to some nebulous cloud up in the universe who might not have any appreciation for what it's like to live in the flesh Mm -hmm, here. mm -hmm. But we're still talking to that same fleshly Jesus who knows about all the things we're wrestling with, experiencing themselves, and those memories are still firmly implanted in him, even as we in memory are are in his memory as well. Let's talk about some of the details here, Matt. Good. So why? Why do you think uh, Peter, James, and John, why these three guys? 
Well, they seem to be Jesus' inner circle. I mean, this isn't the first time. It's not going to be the last time that Jesus takes these yep. three guys yep. and he lets them see things that the other disciples like don't what? see. Like what, man? Well, I, you know, I'm thinking in the future, we're gonna he's going to be taking them sort of into his near oh, yeah. presence in the yeah. Garden of Gethsemane. Yep. And we see they flub things up. You know, they fall asleep. Fall asleep. And, uh, yeah. Not once or twice, but three times they seem to fall asleep. <laughs> uh, but yet Jesus still calls upon them. And even here, Paul Peter kind of flubs things up as he... <laughs> that's right. Let's you know, build three tents. As, yeah, let's build three tents. He's kind of just, you know, looking for words. And he kind of, he seems to interrupt Jesus' conversation with Moses and Elijah to, to propose this. Um, but again and again, Jesus chooses these three individuals to, to have this special glimpse uh, of what, who he is and what he does. And, and yet I like the point you make. It's obviously not because they're better than no, the other disciples. No, maybe they needed, maybe they needed to have, see it firsthand. Maybe they were of, of little faith, so to speak, and uh, needed to see this. Well, and, and you know, see, that's, that's the insight that uh, God gave me. Uh, James is going to be the first apostle to be martyred. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine what that would be like to be the first apostle to be martyred? You've trained with Jesus for three years. You're ready to go out there and begin the ministry, and then you get thrown Cut in Herod's short. dungeon. Yeah. So I'm thinking, yeah, he probably needed that. He would needed that extra uh, because of the challenge to his faith. Uh, 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 what do we got? Peter, James. Uh, uh, well, Peter, you just said that. He's the one that denies the Lord three times. Sure. So he probably needs a little bit of extra. Doesn't tries to talk Jesus out of going to the cross. Even there, you go. So so uh, it's going to be hard for him to believe sometimes that God really did want him to feed his sheep and tend the lambs. Yeah, that would probably come up on his mind, his conscience. But he could say, okay, but I have these things that Jesus has given me. Records it in his letter too. Don't you love that? Where Peter talks about these are not cleverly designed myths, but we were there. We saw it. We saw it with our own eyes. And then the one that I always liked though was John, because John has it the worst. Because John is the one that won't. Won't be martyred. Mm. You know, he'll be persecuted. <laughs> yeah. He'll be, uh, uh, you know, exiled. But he gets to live to see everybody else be martyred. He lives to see the church divided by heresy. So I'm thinking he probably really needed not not only for the sake of the church that that as the last witness he yes. could say I was there I saw this witness account, but also for his own benefit that as he saw things probably not going the way any of these disciples figured they would go. Don't don't you think probably in their flesh they thought man it's going to be one generation and Jesus will return and everything will be hunky dory, and then for John to see a generation and another generation to see it's. It's not necessarily getting better. Yeah. It might actually be getting worse. Yeah, And um, for John to be able to think back on this experience on, on yeah. the Mount and to think back at a voice that he heard about, this is my son, and to be encouraged to take heart from that. Yeah, maybe so, that's one so, of the reasons Jesus includes him. So even though there's all this persecution going on and, and, and guilt for these three men and the struggles, like you said, to be able to say, okay, but we know this is the Son of God. We do know this is still going according to the plan of God. Um, this actually struck me, this whole thing with John, because I, I, right now God has given me, I don't know whether it's a, a, a curse or a blessing, but we have a lot of elderly people. And everybody wants to live to be old, Matt, except for old people. Until you get old. I That's found right. that to be true, yeah. too. And that, yeah. But so, so for those who are uh, extending their age beyond what they really feel comfortable with, it is a comfort to know that, no, Jesus is still the divine Savior, and he still loves them, and that all these things that are promised still lie ahead of them. God hasn't abandoned his uh, promises to them. All right, so good. We got that detail. All right, now I got another detail for you. All right, you. good. Why, 
why uh, uh, Moses and Elijah? Why not? Why not Abraham and David or Isaiah? There's a lot of there's a lot of good there. ones. Yeah. So why why do you think it's Moses and Elijah? Well, I mean, the explanation has always been the law and the prophets. Yeah. Like here we have really what the Old Testament's divided into for the most part: the law, Moses representing that, the prophets, Elijah, perhaps chief among the prophets, uh, representing the prophets. And I think, too, you have in Jesus, then, you have the fulfillment of both of those things. Uh I think that's what's really important is Jesus fulfills the law, then, perfectly on our behalf. Jesus fulfills the promises of the prophets about the Savior who's going to be coming, this Messiah, the Christ. Here he is in the flesh. And not only is this voice bearing witness to it, but Moses and Elijah are, too. What a cool insight. It's the perfect trio. You got the guy that gave you the law. We have the person who fulfilled the law. We've got one of the people who made the prophecies. We've got the guy that fulfilled the prophecies. I like that. I like that insight. Yeah. Uh, um, other things that people do point out, Matt, also is that, of course, both of these had unique death scenarios. Oh, sure. Uh, Elijah actually doesn't die. He's taken up in a whirlwind, uh, which would seem like the perfect thing then. He was bodily taken up. He could bodily come down. Sure. Unfortunately, it doesn't work for, for Moses because Moses was dead and he was buried, although buried by God. Isn't that a, <laughs> a, an incredible yeah, detail? Yeah. Buried by God himself. And yet, you know, I've reflected on that, and that makes perfect sense to me because you know what the Muslims do with their dead prophets, don't you? They build shrines and yeah, they go and sure, worship. Sure. Can't you imagine? That's what the Israelites would have done. They would have built a shrine to Moses, and they would have gone back and worshipped at the shrine, just like they worshipped the Ark of the Covenant, yeah. like the golden calf. And so I can see God's wisdom and saying, no, I'm not going to tell you where I buried him, because yeah, I know fun. what you yeah. guys would do. Um, however, here's the thing I discovered this year. Isn't it great to be a pastor, because you're always learning new stuff? It is, and, and this comes up every year. We, we yeah. look at this account of the transfiguration, and it, we have the... To mine new insights every year, not just for others, but for us too. So the one thing I never realized before is that only Moses and Elijah is it said of in the Old Testament that the Lord passed by them. Did you know that mm. that, that phrase, the Lord mm-hmm. passed by, and those are the only two people in the Old Testament that that is said of. Uh, of course, in the context we talked about earlier, uh, God saying, well, you can't see my... I, you can't see me face sure. to face, but I will. You can see my backside, and so the Lord passed by him. Elijah, again passing by, God passes by. First of all, what was it in a, a whirlwind? And yeah, a, yeah, it was all these mighty yeah, things, yeah. And, and then, then still, still small, small voice. voice. Yeah. But I thought, okay, so that's why these guys could be here because this has already happened to them. They have been there in the presence of the glory of God. They can be there with the cloud, and that isn't going to freak them out. Where, where it does obviously freak out the rest of the disciples, because that's the last detail I want to look at. How do the disciples respond when they actually come literally physically within the presence of God, within this mighty bright white cloud? Did you notice that, how it says they responded? Well, let's see here. I mean, they are, uh, at the end, they are, when they hear this, they're on their faces, they fall down, they're terrified. Yeah, and the word there in the Greek actually is two words. It means extreme, which all the kids are into, the extreme, extreme sports. sports yeah. Uh, but that's what it literally is. It's extreme fear. So terrified isn't a bad translation. But here's the detail I learned from a church father. 
Do you ever hang out with the church fathers? The church fa- well, the closest I get is you. You know, you've been around so long. <laughs> That's right. I think we Pre- might start calling you a church father. Yeah, I can tell you about days before we had McDonald's. <laughs> um, but I read across this church father that says, and you just said it. What was their physical position in this fear, this great fear? This they are on their fear? faces. And he said, you check it out in the Bible. And that's what believers always do. It's not that they're not afraid. Of course we're afraid. We're sinners. We should be the people that have our eyes plucked out and our hands cut off, as you said last week. Mm-hmm. But we always fall on our face at the feet of Jesus. The unbelievers, the enemies of God, they always fall away. They fall back. I thought, what a neat insight. And if you check it out, that's huh. pretty much how it is in the scripture. So, yeah, we have things to be frightened of, rightfully so. But we still find ourselves falling down at the feet of Jesus. And you know why? What's Jesus do? This is what I love. Well, about I think, this yeah, I, I love this too. Yeah. Uh, then Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And finish it up. Too. And then when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Yeah. What a neat conclusion. So it's like this this picture of them being on the, the face yep, down. Yep. They can't see anything except for the yep, ground in front yep, of them because yep. they're terrified. Yep. Uh, and Jesus comes, not just says this, but touches, touches them it. too, rise. Yeah. And then when they lift up their eyes, there's just Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's all they need. Just Jesus. And, and so if there's anybody out there, literally, that, that is troubled with something, maybe you don't have extreme fear, but maybe you're worried about your job. Maybe you're worried about someone in your family who's ill. Maybe you're worried about yourself. Maybe you're going through some physical problems. I, I don't know. we got all kinds of things to worry. Maybe you're worried about your kids. I don't know. But, but here's the thing. Here's the beautiful thing that Matt and I want to give you. You've got Jesus, and he's saying it to you right now. Right now, people, just like he said it to the men in our text. Right now, he's saying, fear not. Okay? The Lord Jesus is still with you. Lots of scary things in the world, but you're not going to face him alone because the Lord— In fact, that's the key thing. I I, I love that too, Matt. Jesus alone. Yeah. Nobody else. Nobody else is going to be able to answer your fears. Trust me. Trust me. The only one who truly can answer your fears is Jesus. And so I'm thinking, if if you're like John, and if you're wrestling with the problems and struggles of this world— Guess what Jesus says? I've overcome the world. He's the only one who can comfort you in that. If you're like uh, 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 if you're like Peter, and maybe you're wrestling with a guilty conscience right now, maybe you've done some things that you're you know you shouldn't have, and and you're wrestling with that. Guess what? There's one person who can comfort you, who can say, "Fear not," and that's Jesus, because He suffered and died for you on uh, on the cross for all of your sins, everything you ever did wrong. That's all been taken care of by Jesus. And if you're like James, if you're you're one of the elder people I'm visiting, and you're facing death, and you know that's coming up, you still got one source that can say, "Fear not," don't you? Because it's Jesus, because He's been through death, come back out with the everlasting life and the resurrection, and and that's his promise that just what happened here to him is what's going to happen to us too. Bodies like in his glorious body. So anyway, I think you can tell that was actually my sermon. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like a good one. I hope so. And I, I, hope so. I hope people come in here, you and others preach, because just as Jesus invited Peter, James, and John into this his presence here on the Mount of Transfiguration, he invites us into his presence in worship, yeah. where he does say, fear not, where he does reach out and touch us. Uh, through his word, through his spirit, through his body and his blood. Come and come and receive that, uh, that same hope, that same forgiveness that, that Peter, James, and John experienced. Yeah, and, and I hope people understand that, that uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago uh, when we had that uh, Roman centurion who understood that if you have the word of Jesus, you have Jesus and you have his power. 
Okay. So, yeah, maybe we're not going to be like those select three, Peter, James, and John. We're not actually going to be on the mountaintop, at least not now. Uh, we will someday. That's mm-hmm. exciting mm-hmm. to think. We'll, we'll get the same vision they have. Yeah, face uh, to face. But we have the word of the Father who's declared that he is the beloved Son, and we have the word of Jesus Christ that simply says to us, fear not. So those things are still all true for you and me as well. Well, thank you, Matt. Thank you. Yeah, bless thank it. you, John. Bless it on your uh, uh, Ash Wednesday coming up and, and uh, the season of Lent. I guess we'll talk more about that next week. Huh? Sounds good. Yeah, we'll see you next week on Wrestling with the Basics.